0: So what are you waiting for? Let's get Ready to Thrive. Hi, and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Before we dive into today's conversation with Sharon Miller, I just wanted to let you know that I love creating digital resources to help equip and encourage you. And if you've never checked them out, they all live over at my website, JacquelineWeiner.com, and I want to quickly highlight one of them for you. Um, this one helps you walk through the process of uncovering lies in your life. It's a free PDF you can download and print off and work through at your own pace. It's pretty simple and straightforward. But if you've never done something like this, if you've never had a look to see whether the things you've been believing about yourself are in fact true, this little PDF can help get you started. So you can just head over to my website and it is under resources says lies versus truth and you can download that. The other thing I'm excited to share with you is that my Tangled course is now online for you to do at your own pace. So I actually ran this group twice this spring and I love meeting with women every week <clears throat> for six weeks. But I know for some of you, the time simply didn't work. So I've created the course in a format that you can do on your own. So you can grab a couple girlfriends, you can watch the videos that I've created just for you, um, or you can just do it by yourself in your PJs. Um, Now in this course you get the Tangled book as a PDF, um, and you can print it off if you like, or you can just print off the discussion uh, questions and the life work questions. And then each week in the course, it comes with a video, and sometimes I'll be adding even extra audio tracks that just help unpack the content a little bit more. It also comes with a private Facebook group just to help you stay connected and informed, um, because I'm going to offer once a month, uh, going right through 2020 and likely beyond. I'm going to offer an online Q and A session, so if you have questions. Um, or if you just want to hear other people's questions, uh, you don't have to talk. You can come and listen, um, just a space once a month where we can kind of unpack our own aha moments, things that we are learning about. And, um, so that's why this online course, it's go at your own pace. The Facebook group and the zoom call are totally optional. Um, but I wanted to create a little bit of a hybrid of not just buying the book and doing it by yourself. I know for myself, when I when I do stuff like that, I have the best of intentions, but then it usually just sits on the shelf and gets dusty. So um, if you think, hey, this is something I'd really like to do, but I need a little bit of accountability for myself right now. Um, I've been wanting to work out really badly, but I just have not been able to motivate myself. So I'm actually going to an outdoor boot camp class tonight with a friend. Um, I messaged her and I said I just I'm gonna pay you whatever I just need for you to yell at me to move my body and so I don't know if you've ever felt that way where you're like I just need somebody else to kind of gently kick me in the butt and get me going and so that's really what this course is it's just some gentle nudges to say hey how's it going are you still doing the work are you digging in just to kind of keep you going through this process um, that isn't easy and right now as I sit I'm in my closet and I'm staring at my shoes and I just had this moment where I saw um, this pair of um, sandals that I bought last summer and I was like, yes, I'm so excited. I totally forgot about those sandals. And I had this moment where I thought, you know what? I think that's actually the case for a lot of us in life where we actually have joy deep down inside of us or we have peace or these other things, but they've actually just been buried a little bit. Like my sandals have been buried beneath other shoes and other things that I haven't seen them and realized oh yeah that's there I can actually use those this summer I'm so excited and so that's my hope for you that as you actually step into this tangled process of looking at what's going on in your heart and as you begin to uproot some of those things that maybe have just been burying the joy in your life burying the peace and other things that you uh, want to grow and so if you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. You can find the Tangled book on Amazon and you can do it yourself Um, or you can also check out uh, the Tangled course either through a link in my bio on Instagram or on my website. And if you want to know just a little bit more about what Tangled is about, I do talk about it more in depth in episode 46. So sorry, that is a long intro of some announcements. I just wanted to make sure that you guys knew there's a lot of free stuff that I love creating for you. This podcast is free. Um, I create a lot of content, Um, but this course... Um, I know it's actually, it's tough stuff. The purging and decluttering process that I go through in my house, I often think this is tough. I need somebody to kind of help move me along and give me the right questions, the right tools. Same with working out. I just need that extra motivation. And so that's why I think it really is worth investing in something like this for yourself is that good intentions are not usually enough to kind of get to doing some of that deep work and so that's um, the way I view myself in some ways is a little bit of a coach like a a head and a heart or a soul coach to help you um, do that heavy lifting the same way that um, my boot camp instructor isn't going to do the work for me but she's going to help kind of motivate me and push me in the right direction that's what I hope to do with you as well and so if you're interested um, you can sign up anytime that's why the course is now online so it's open for you to sign up I would love to see you there And I would love for the the end of the summer, if you were like, you know what, I feel so light and free. I've gone through, I've done this heavy lifting. I've done this work sitting with God and figuring out what are the things that are um, clogging the drain? What are the things that are hiding the shoes that are keeping me from running freely and lightly? So that's my hope for you. Let's dive into this conversation that I had with Sharon Hottie-Miller. Welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Sharon Hottie Miller. I really feel like I need to emphasize that. Um, She is the author of the books, Free of Me, Why Life is Better When It's Not About You, and Nice, Why We Love to Be Liked and How God Calls Us to More. Now, I'm going to have Sharon introduce herself um, in just a minute because she will do a much better job. But I just want to welcome Dr. Sharon Hottie Miller. Um, So I hope she touches on that as well. Sharon, welcome to Ready to Thrive.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's
0: exciting to
1: join you in Canada.
0: Yeah. I'm On the other side. (laughs) Now, Sharon and I also had this little aha moment earlier where we realized she has a brother living in Seattle. I have a brother living in Seattle. She is from North Carolina. My sister-in-law is from North Carolina. So we are like, worlds apart yet we have these um, little connections which i sort of love so sharon that's so crazy where are you right now and um tell me a little bit more about yourself yeah so we are in durham north carolina and
1: i am originally from charlotte what you and i were talking about before we went on air born and raised there but i've lived in the raleigh durham area for most of my adult life with the exception we lived in chicago for about four years. And so that was my, my introduction to actual winter, which was <laughs> tough. <laughs> but we loved it out there. They Midwesterners are just really wonderful and kind and welcoming. And Chicago's a beautiful city. And so we had our time up there. And that's where I got my PhD and my husband did as well. But we moved back down here, and then just under, I guess about a year and a half ago, we launched a church called Bright City Church. And my husband is the lead pastor, and I have a teaching pastor role. And so that is is crazy, uh, because we, you know, planting a church is hard anyway, but then adding a pandemic to it, it's just a whole other level. So that has been quite a wild ride and then I also as you mentioned I write and I when there's not a pandemic I travel and I speak and then my top priority though is we've got three kids and they are age seven five and two two boys and a girl and this this time in quarantine has been a huge gift because you know as you can probably guess from what I just listed we run at a pretty high pace and it's it's just crazy some some days some weeks some months some years and so the opportunity to slow down and just be with my kids and be the one putting them to bed at night every single night and it's it has actually been a huge huge gift so we've really cherished this
0: time with them that's so awesome um yeah i i don't envy you in the church planting i've i know that is that's hard. Um, it's a hard thing to take on. And I know, uh, you guys took that on out of an act of obedience and love, and I'm sure you've loved it along the way, but, um, how has it even been in this season now where you've had to transition, um, kind of doing church online and stuff like that? Like, how has that been for you guys? You know,
1: my husband and I have processed it very differently he has he 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 struggles with change he really likes things to be kind of predictable, and this has really just turned everything upside down for him and some of that is honestly just from his childhood. He actually just wrote an article for Christianity today about being the child of an alcoholic. And so when that's when chaos is kind of your childhood, you really thrive on predictability and and upheaval is really tough. And so that has been challenging for him. For me, I've had a very different outlook. You know, in addition to everything I just said about being with our kids, which I've loved, is Up until quarantine, we were having a really interesting challenge in our church, which was how to disciple people in a culture that is fundamentally structured to undermine discipleship. Because part of discipleship, a huge part of discipleship, is your tension. Just giving your attention to God, giving your attention to God's word, uh, giving your attention to, you know, a mentor, to your church community, that kind of a thing. And we live in a culture that is really distracted. We are constantly on our screens. We are overcommitted. There, it's really difficult to get people to show up to things, to get people to commit to things. And so it it felt like we were constantly having conversations about how do we, how do we disciple people when we can't get their attention? And then the pandemic happened and everything was canceled and suddenly everyone was at home with nothing to do. I mean, if you have small children, that's a different, that's a totally different, <laughs> you don't have nothing to do. But, you know, all everything, you couldn't go out anywhere, you couldn't go out to eat, you couldn't go, you know, out to the park, there was just nothing to do. And so for me, it felt like the, the before and after, the metaphor I keep using is before the pandemic, it felt like we were standing on this field, looking at these goalposts. And the goalpost was discipleship. But between standing between us and the goalposts were all these, you know, linebackers essentially of distraction. And so it just felt so difficult getting the ball down the field. But with quarantine, it was like all the players were cleared off the field and we just had this clear line of sight to just run the ball. And so once I, I realized that pretty early on, and it created in me this incredible sense of urgency that this is a window of opportunity that we have right now that we might never have again. And so we really need to maximize it. And so that's what we've been doing and we we've really drilled down on getting people into small groups and making sure that what the small groups are doing is deep and rich and that people are going to be growing and we've had our attendance to small groups is higher and better than it's ever been because people can't go anywhere and we all know you're at home. <laughs> and so it's like, if you don't come, we know where you are. <laughs> yeah. We know you're avoiding us. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really, I have felt that urgency and that enthusiasm just Energy, I've, I've just been really excited. I, th- I think that God can use this really hard and horrible thing mm. to grow his church. And so mm. that's that's the place that I've been at.
0: Well, I love that you just shared um, essentially adopting um, this God perspective in this moment in this opportunity and that's such a beautiful analogy and as you're speaking, I was thinking, um, I don't know if you've read the uh, recent John Mark Comer book. Uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry I haven't but I
1: read it but I I listen to like everything okay. that he does so and
0: so early on in his book he's talking about as they're planting their church and um they he's meeting with somebody to say hey here's our plan like we've made this plan and whoever it is reviews it and says this is a great plan like excellent plan the only thing is um, people are too busy like that's the only problem is it's it's just never going to work And so it's so funny when you actually take in some ways this like 30,000 foot view of things that have been happening in the world leading up to this and you see books coming out on rest and stepping back and, you know, not over committing, we see like digital minimalism and all these other things where people are starting to get this hunger for, true connection, right? Like connection with God, connection with others. And then all of a sudden we're in this moment. And I think for some people, they, you know, there has been a panic. I need to go business as usual. How do we keep this going? And then for others, it's like, okay, what is God doing in this moment? What's the opportunity in this moment? And yeah, how do we, how do we realize what, um, what we can partner with God in? And so that's kind of been my hope for people that, you know, I, as things begin to open up that we wouldn't just dive into seeking out that same normal, but like, how do we grow and get stronger in it? Um, yes, Stronger in our relationship with God, stronger in our relationship with others. Um, and now we find ourselves in this other moment, right? And so we're in this other moment, which again, I feel like when I, when I look at what's going on in social media or in the news, I can get really um, heavy and bogged down. And then when I, I try again to take that 30,000 foot view, I go, okay, God, like what is happening in this moment? What are you revealing? What are you unearthing? And so um, I would love to just chat with you a little bit about what's also going on in the world right now, as we are recording this um, in fairly early June. Um, I actually did one of the things that I love to do as I am preparing for interviews is listen to a few other podcast interviews if people have been on and just get a sense for who they are. And a few of the interviews I listened to with Sharon, um, were in the fall and Sharon was speaking up against racism. And, you know, I was listening to these interviews and I was thinking these interviews could have been recorded right now. Like they're so Mm. relevant. And so I just love that, you know, this is already something that's been on your heart. And so if you could just even share a little bit about um, what's going on with you, or you're living, and um, even how this um, topic of racism kind of brought, um, birthed this book that you've written, this book called Nice. So mm-hmm. dive in wherever you like. Yeah, so I'll start
1: with the book, just where that came from, because it it definitely dovetails with what's happening right now. So I, as you mentioned, I had written this first book, Free of Me, and early in that book, like in the first chapter, I was looking back on my childhood, and I was reflecting on how I'd been this really nice Christian girl, and I was a rule follower, I was raised in the church, I lived to please, you know, my parents and pretty much every adult in my life, and I was a high achiever, all of that. And in that first book, I had mentioned how I, at the time, if you'd asked me why I was such a nice Christian girl, I would have said it's because of my faith. But in reality, it was a little more layered than that. I also, it it got me things. It got me approval. And so I'd written just like a paragraph in that first book, just noticing this, layered motivation in myself as a child. And so I wrote that in Free Me, set it down, kind of thought that was it. But it continued to hang over me and kind of haunt me, this idea of being a nice Christian girl and how niceness got me things. And I kept returning to it because I started to realize that I had not left it behind me in childhood, but that I'd carried it into adulthood. And I had brought it into ministry and this is the part of the story that really dovetails with current events is it became apparent to me a number of years ago. I think this is when I still had just one child and there was something going on. I think maybe it was about Ferguson and the protests going on and everything in our country was really heating up around race and I felt like God was prompting me to write a blog post, engaging it and thoughtfully, you know, and, and gently, but essentially, how do we, for those of us who are not there in Ferguson, those of us who are maybe white living in, you know, quiet suburbs, and this issue doesn't really inter, seem to intersect with our lives, you know, how should we think about this? in a Christian way, and why should we think about this in a Christian way? And so I wrote this, and before I hit publish on it, I kind of agonized over it, and just wondered what the response would be, and if people who were my long-time readers were gonna be upset with me if they were gonna stop reading me if they were gonna criticize me and say that I was being political or that I was distracting from the gospel in some way and I had to really search myself because God is not unclear about racism he is not unclear about human dignity he is not unclear about hate. And so the fact that God is not unclear, his word is not unclear, but I was still reluctant to communicate what God is clear on to people. It made me realize why am i doing this, you know? What what is my ministry fundamentally about? And that's when I I had to just be honest about the fact that I still had this nice girl image and I wrote about things that were encouraging and I wrote about, I wrote about theology. So it wasn't even just fluff. Like I was writing about theology. I was writing about doctrine, you know, deep things, but there was still this, this area of the world, this topical area that I would not touch with a 10-foot pole because I knew it would it would shatter that that nice girl image and it would wade into controversy and people don't like that. And so that was the moment when I just had to really wrestle with that and, and to be really and, and this is hard to this is hard to say, but it is true. And so I think it needs to be said is especially for Christian women in ministry, it is financially lucrative to not talk about certain things and to have, you know, a certain image where you go onto Instagram and you you walk that line of being, you know, um, having a a beautiful Instagram profile, but at the same time managing to appear authentic and, you know, talking about scripture, but only talking about it in a certain way that is much more personal, Um, you know, even talking about matters of justice that are maybe in other countries, you know, talking about slavery, human trafficking in other countries, but not the ways in which injustice is in our backyard, and so if you avoid those topics, it is financially, people love that, but as soon as you step outside of that, you can actually lose, you know, readers, you can lose speaking engagements, and it it really, it's such a, it's a hard truth, <laughs> but it's, but it's real. And that, that was when I thought, you know, I, I need to, I need to look more closely at this and that, that gave birth to the book. Nice. Wow.
0: Well, thank you for unpacking all of that. Cause I think that is, you know, whether someone has a big name with a ton of followers or it's just, um, You know, I think we have, we get this idea of that person has influence, but I don't. But, you know, regardless of our size, like we're all influencing people around us, right? Whether it's just in our own home where we really have the most um, influence and impact um, or those who are just paying attention. And so I think um, right now in this moment, we have these convictions. And there is this, this moment where, again, we're sitting with God And we know what he is pressing on our hearts. And I think that is, um, I've had those moments where I've written something. I love, um, just writing as I'm going for a walk or whatever I'm doing. And I feel like these, um, these things, these hard truths sometimes that God will put in my heart and I'll write them down. And sometimes it is that moment before I go to, um, to post it that I think, am I going to be misunderstood? are people going to be offended? Like, and you know, I've had, I've either had times where I've gone through and I've, I've posted, or I've, sometimes I've tried to water it down, right? Like I don't want to be offended. I want to be really clear. Or sometimes I haven't. And I, um, I felt like I've missed that moment that God was, he was deeply speaking to me. Um, but it's not just for me. Like he has something to share. And I think it's hard. Like it, it is, you know, your tagline says why we love to be like." and it's like we do. We love um not only do we love the personal validation of people um you know as a kid whatever it might have been that people coming up to me and saying that they like me, coming to my birthday party, the ways I would feel that, but now we actually have a button and we have these ways in which people can like us. And so I think that that is definitely a challenge and um and it's a challenge even right now in this very moment to know Um, how do we share things? Um, And probably we're going to share things that will um, not cause everybody to understand us or agree with us. And so how do people actually in this very moment kind of know how to, in some ways, not necessarily post something simply out of emotion or simply out of, um, right? Like how do people know how to navigate that, I guess, is what I'd love to say uh, or Mm -hmm. would love to ask you.
1: Yeah, well, the way that I structured the book is I start out by identifying what are the rotten fruits of niceness, because nice Christianity can look a lot like true discipleship to Christ in a lot of ways, and that raises the question of how do you know the difference? How do you know if you're just sort of putting on this mask of niceness or you're actually following Jesus, and Jesus gave us a diagnosis, which is that look at the fruit. You know, you'll know a tree by its fruit. And so when you look at just simply nice Christianity where you know how to give the right answers and you know how to play the part, that it bears bad fruit of inauthenticity. You know, you are aren't truthful about who you are and what you think, you're just really nice. It bears fruit of cowardice, which is what I was wrestling with it was cowardice, honestly, where I I wanted people to like me. I was afraid of being rejected. And, and that was what I wrestled with. And It bears fruit of self-righteousness where, you know, you're so, so nice and you almost weaponize that where you kind of look, look down on people who, you know, go outside the lines in some way. And so it bears all these bad fruit, but I realized, so in the original arc of the book, what I was going to do is I was going to have the bad fruit of niceness in the first half and then the good fruit of the spirit in the second half. But as I started to write it, I realized, you know, what, this is one of the reasons why a lot of people are not actually being formed into the likeness of Christ is because we tend to think that is how it works, is that you identify, I'm doing this wrong. Instead, I need to do this better. And there's an aspect of that that is true, but I liken it in my mind, it's a little bit approaching spiritual formation like that is a bit like an apple farmer walking up to an apple tree and shouting at it and seeing that the, the tree has unhealthy fruit on it and shouting at it, stop that, you know, bear better fruit. But that's not how you cultivate healthy fruit on a tree, is you have to actually you know, prune the tree, and you know, there's so many things that you have to do to, to heal that tree so that it will then grow better fruit. And our souls are like that as well, where we can't just decide, well, I shouldn't be nice, I should be kind, but we actually need to go deeper than that and figure out how do we, how do we cultivate those things in our lives. And so that's what the second half of the book is is devoted to is what are some practices and really – really what it is, is just spiritual disciplines. You know, it's kind of just another way of talking about these practices that Christians have been doing since the beginning of the church to grow the fruit of the spirit in themselves. But yeah, that, that is actually where we start is to not simply say, don't do this, do that, but to back it up even further and diagnose the state of your soul and the practices that you're engaged in to cultivate your
0: soul. Well, you are definitely speaking my language. That is uh, one of the things I love talking about. This whole series that I'm in right now is is cultivating. This is what we're talking about. How do we cultivate different things in our lives? And I think, um, you know, having grown up as a good, nice Christian girl myself, um, I think I definitely had quite a few good habits growing up and things, And um, and then I things got lost along the way in adulthood, in busyness. I love that we chatted about that at the beginning, because I think we get this idea of, um, really our, our main, um, spiritual formation or growth. We get this idea that it happens at church, right? Like we just, we just go to church. There's our one little moment. And, um, I know for my husband and I, even being in, um, involved, like he, he works in full-time ministry and I volunteered for years and, You have this idea where you run Bible studies and you do things, but, um, but there's a difference between what does it actually look like to spend time with God just for myself, not for preparing a message, not while I'm sitting with people during community group, but what does it look like to actually begin to grow those things? And so, um, as we, like you said, as we kind of dive into those spiritual disciplines, that's where we see this fruit begin to grow. And I think, Um, For years, I did exactly what you said. I was like, be a better Christian, right? Like Mm -hmm. fruit, like apples, you need to grow. And so I was like, oh, why don't I have the fruit of the spirit? And um, the book that um, I ended up writing really came from, I was sitting down to color with my daughter one day. Um, I'm a terrible artist, but I was drawing this garden and I started labeling the garden with the fruit of the spirit. And I looked at it and I said, why don't I have this? in my life. And I just heard this whisper that said, because you have not been planting what you want to grow. And I just realized, wow, you know, if I, if I really step back and looked at my life and said like, what am I consuming with media, with, um, books, with television, what am I actually feeding myself? And so even just that very, very simple moment, like you said here, how, how do we assess things, um, that are going on? And, and really it's, It's almost, I like to think like, I don't know, I don't really know what I look like um, unless I look in the mirror, right? And we often don't really know what's going on in our soul or going on in our heart unless we have a mirror. And it really is the word and sitting with the Holy Spirit that is that mirror that we go, oh, like I didn't actually realize um, this gross thing was hanging out there. And so I love um, just, I love talking about this idea of conviction and how this is such a gift from God that when we sit with him, especially when we were with him in more of an extended focus time, like you said, we have a, we're so distracted. It's hard to get to that focus time. I think that's where he really begins to, um, really unveil to us some of the things that are deeper. And I think for a lot of people over the last few weeks, there has been this desire to search their hearts, right? There has been this desire to say, God, like what's, what's actually going on? Um, and it's those moments where we get to be honest with God, where he reveals things. Um, and he doesn't reveal things so that we stay stuck. He really reveals things for our freedom, right? So we can actually partner with him. And he does that. He does that heavy lifting. He helps us, um, walk freely. So I love that you talk about this idea in the second part in your book of, um, you know, how do we begin to cultivate So for people right now who are saying, hey I want to I want to cultivate my soul, I want to uh, begin to grow the good fruit What would you say would be a nice like first step for people mm-hmm.
1: Well, some of it is you know starting out by identifying where this is playing out in your life because, when I came out with this book, a number of people said, I don't struggle with that, you know? Right. <laughs> and so I think it's, it's helpful to even identify where, where this is playing out in your life in ways that you might not even expect. You know, one of the surprising fruits of, of nice Christianity is cynicism that when you have this this view of just being a good person, if I just put good out, like good will come back, you know, that, that sort of idealism about the world that I think we associate with, you know, nice Christianity, when that is shattered, it flips and turns into cynicism. And so very often, some of the nicest people I know just bubbling just under the surface is this seething like (laughs) anger about the world and you would never know like they're so so nice uh so there's a number sentimentality is another big one especially we're in the south which is the bible belt and so it's it's cultural it's it's in the air it's it's a part of a lot of people's heritage and their traditions and you know family traditions things like that and so there's a lot of different ways that I think nice Christianity plays out and then produces bad fruit. So I would say just, just starting there. But from there, goodness, there's so many different, different steps that we can take. One that sounds very, this is going to sound very Christian-y, but is read the whole Bible. Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> it. Read the whole Bible. And I actually just did a, preached a sermon on this on Sunday where I said the same thing. And I, I think, especially in the South where Christianity is, is a culture is people have a handful of verses that they keep in their back pocket and that they kind of pull out, but aren't returning to the full breadth of God's word. And When we read the whole Bible, we are challenged by things like the examples of the prophets where they said really hard things and they were very indelicate about it. You know, they went in and they rebuked personal sin, but they also rebuked idolatry and they rebuked social injustice. Like the book of Amos is just rails on Israel's oppression of the poor and so we have that we have jesus you know where he is you know just saying hard things to the religious authorities and a lot of us do not like that like we we don't want to confront the way that jesus confronted on the other hand some of us love that and we 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 love to talk about how the the religious authorities, you know, didn't represent Jesus and and how we see that in certain churches today and and how Jesus wouldn't be like that at all. But then we sort of skip over the fact that the very same people that Jesus rebuked, he also died for. And so it's not as if he was doing it because it felt really good to stand over them and to condemn them, but he did desperately wanted them to have eternal life. And he was putting his finger on the thing that was standing between them and that. And he would go all the way to the cross to demonstrate that love for them. And so for those of us that that do like taking jabs at kind of the religious authorities of our day, the full story of Jesus's life really challenges us okay, you know, if you're going to do that, though, would you lay yourself down for that person? Like, do you really want to see that person repent? Do you really want to see them, you know, to, to follow Jesus fully? Or are you just making a point? Does it just feel really good to stand over them? And so when we read, you know, the full witness of scripture, it it challenges us in whatever our kind of affinity is, whatever we gravitate towards. If we read the whole witness of scripture, it challenges us if, if you're like a nice person to maybe speak truth sometimes, maybe like be courageous sometimes. And if you, you know, flip into kind of the cynicism, uh, the anger uh, where you you just want to say all people are this, you know, all all people are terrible or all people in this group are X, Y, Z. We are, again, like we're challenged by the, the full portrait of humanity where we see, no, people are complicated. People are, they can be good and bad at the same time. And, and Jesus saw this and he, He never became cynical. Like he was never cynical, but he was never merely nice. And so we just have this really complex portrait of humanity. We have a complex portrait of the Christian faith given to us in scripture. But if we don't read the whole thing regularly, we are going to just gravitate towards our pet verses and have those on hand and never go very deep.
0: Um, yeah, I totally, I agree with you that that's been a a game changer for me is diving into the entire scripture and really, um, that's allowed me to get a, a full view of who God is, but also who I am. Like, I've been amazed at how, you know, I read about people, um, from the Old Testament, I'm reading these stories. I'm like, nothing in our life seems to be similar. And yet, um, I read their stories and I'm deeply connected, um, to who they are and their struggles they went through. And, um, even reading in, um, about a lot of the Kings who have, um, some, we read about a lot of bad kings, mm-hmm. and then we also read about some good kings who seem to do a good job. Where they had gotten rid of some of the idols, they've crushed some things, and they've. But then they still have left some things, and I was always confused why have they left some of those Asherah poles. Why have they left a few things? And as I've examined my own heart, I've realized I do the same thing. Like I, there's things in my life that I have crushed. Um, and then there's things that I've allowed to remain. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of it is the, um, what does it look like to really sit with God and say, Hey, what have I mm-hmm. allowed to remain here? And mm-hmm. sometimes it is, like you said, this really, this idol of niceness, this, mm-hmm. you know, and you unpack so many, um, great things in here that I think for people, i um, both listening today and as I read your book, they'll have their own little aha moment of, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I have mm-hmm. I have done this in my life. This mm-hmm. might be something that I really mm-hmm. need to deal with.
1: Well, and the other thing too, with the reading the whole Bible, because I know that doesn't sound super like rocket science, you know, <laughs> like you guys write a book and that's your answer. But one of the things about nice Christianity too, that is certainly true for me is because I was raised in the church, because I've been a Christian for a long time, is I know the answers. So I know what the whole Bible says. It's not as if there's, I'm going to find something in there that I've never like read before. Now, the thing though, is if you're not regularly reading scripture, your brain almost those fall into the shadows of your memory a little bit. And when you sit down and you read those passages of scripture that you like to avoid, it confronts you with the the word of God in a way that simply just knowing it, like I know the answers, I know all the right things does not confront you in that way. And it's easy to sort of tuck some of those harder truths away. And so that's why it's not just about knowing it, but being regularly confronted by it. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think going back to our earlier conversation, as we, um, as we struggle with things of like, Hey, what am I going to post or what am I going to share or conversations? Um, my husband and I were chatting the other day and just saying, Hey, we need to be aware of like, again, he is somebody who, um, disciples people in their twenties and, and, And he just said, I wonder what like the Instagram to Bible ratio is right now, just in terms of consumption and how we, you know, we need the Bible to keep renewing our mind, to keep us clear. I I was actually thinking the other day about how, um, you know, my brain can get a little bit foggy and confused and almost, it's almost like reading the word just helps keep clarifying the, the lens, like it cleans off the lens at which I'm able to view myself, um view the world, view others, like view my neighbors. Um and so it really is this um you know and again sometimes we can have this idea well I know I know everything or what am I gonna get out of today. It's a discipline and I think often really it sometimes starts as those those disciplines really can um create desire, right? Mm -hmm. Like we we start off it's same with exercise. Mm -hmm. I have to be disciplined Mm -hmm. or I will not not have that desire. Mm-hmm. So Sharon, I want to, um, end just with a really simple, uh, question for you. Cause you, um, you're a busy mom, like you have a mm-hmm. lot on the go and I just want to know how do you stay connected to God in all these stages of um, busyness in life? Like what do you do in your mm-hmm. day? What's that look like?
1: Yeah. Uh, actually we've really had to fight for rest, Sabbath has been huge for us, and before quarantine hit, we were really pretty strict about it, you know, like we would not check our work email, we wouldn't, you know, my husband has a work phone, and he would turn it off, you know, all of that, we wouldn't talk about church even. Now, with quarantine and everything going online, it's been interesting because now everything sort of bleeds into everything else. And so we've been learning that we need to kind of reassert a lot of those boundaries, but it's – resting has been huge for us just, just – not like I've, I've had to say no to a lot more because I have less time because I'm at home with my kids all the time. And so that has been a huge bummer, but yeah, I think just having boundaries and the thing about I speaking of John Mark Kummer, I just listened to an interview with him and Steve Carter. I don't know if you know his name, but they, Steve Carter just started a new podcast called and character I think that's about the art of preaching and at some point they were talking about how Olympic athletes one of the things that sets them apart is how rigorously they rest and they said something about how LeBron James sleeps like 11 hours a night something like that because the more you do the more you need rest and so that's, that's been huge for us, but the other layer of rest, and, and specifically of Sabbath for me, and of having boundaries, is I realize whenever I do that, it communicates back to me on some subconscious level that the world does not rest on my shoulders, and I'm not the one that keeps it all going. Whenever I stop, whenever I say no, because I don't have the capacity, that is also me preaching back to myself, you are not in control. And that God's will will be done because of him, you know, not because of you. And I actually think that that, even even though it's something I don't even think about consciously, I think that is weekly communicating back to my soul that you don't have to be anxious. You know, you don't have to run this rat race. Like you can have peace and you can have rest and you can enjoy the life that God has given to you. You don't have to constantly be striving. And so I don't wrestle with a lot of anxiety that I think is just almost a fixture of our culture because of that constant message that
0: our Sabbath rhythm is preaching back to me. Right. That's so good. I think as people, if they have not introduced the Sabbath into their lives, it can be a really scary thing. Mm-hmm. I also think as you start to do that, you can have these. I I just have to do this one thing or, um, yeah, but kind of moments. And I think a big part of Sabbath is, um, trust, right? Like I'm Mm -hmm. trusting, um, things, things will, will still get done later that need to get done. Um, and like you said, there's so much there that really God is trying to share with us and, and give us. And similar to what I said before, it's almost like that discipline again, Can create the desire. And so being disciplined, I know for a lot of people that's been a theme. Um, I've heard from so many different people around the world where God has been nudging them to say, hey, like, let's rest. And this is again, and then we look back, we're like, hey, it's funny he's been talking about that since the beginning. Um, Uh And yeah, well, it's also,
1: it's so funny because all the other Ten Commandments are you know, hard commands just about like, don't envy and, you know, honor your father and mother, which that for some people, that's really hard. You know, there, there are some, some of those commands require a lot of us, but Sabbath is the one command that is just pure gift where God is it's like, this is for you to take care of you and, and for you to be healthy and to be whole. And
0: for whatever reason, we don't do it. We don't receive yeah. the gift. Well, I think what you said there was, you know, we, we get this idea in our heads, even if we haven't vocalized it, that everything does rest on our shoulders mm-hmm. and we're mm-hmm. so used to striving. And so, um, just being able to say, okay, God, like I, I trust you in this and having that moment where the world is not going to fall apart because I've turned my phone off for a day or I've, you know, connected with my family and I've just been, um, doing those restful things. And so, um, I think that's a really great place to end off. We've had such a rich conversation. Um, I love hearing, I really enjoyed hearing, uh, so many different podcasts. So if, uh, with you being interviewed and so if people really enjoyed hearing from Sharon, I would just say, you know, plug her name into wherever you get, Your podcast from you can hear more um, of her wisdom as well as her books you can find on Amazon. But, Sharon, if people want to connect with you a little bit more, where can they find you?
1: Right now, I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me at Sharon H. Miller. And then I have a website, sheworships.com, where that has been unfortunately kind of a no. The blog part has been kind of a no in this season. I've been turning it over to guest contributors who are kind of younger women that I want to encourage. But uh, you can learn more about my books through my website,
0: sheworships.com as well. Awesome. Well, I know I did check out your website and you have so many uh, really incredible blog posts through the years. Um, And so people can check those out in topics, which I really enjoyed. And so uh, they may not be super recent, but they're still, um, they're still great writing. And, um, yeah, just, you have a way of speaking and writing, um, just in a deep way that does connect people to God and to their own, I think their own little aha moments that continue to draw people closer to him. So I've enjoyed reading your books and, um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you for being here with me. It was great to be with you. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message and if you have found it helpful would you mind just sharing it with a friend leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts podcasts keeping it super professional Um, if you want to connect more with me head over to instagram where i'm at jacqueline.widener or if you want some free resources head over to my website at jacquelinewidener.com
1: this has been an Extend Network production.